sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. I want to greet each one of you in the name of Jesus this morning. I'd like if you all could arise and we'll have a word of prayer. If I could have one of you brothers lead out and I'll close. Father, we come to you this morning. Thank you for this morning we have to gather here together in your presence. Thank you that you are here and that you are um, wanting to bless us. pray that you just be with us as we um, look into your word here, that you would be with me, give me the words to speak, and um, just bless your word here. pray that could be a vessel you could flow through. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, well, this morning I don't feel like I have a whole lot to share. Um, it's nothing new, but I believe that it's something that we as God's children should not get tired of hearing, uh, meditating on. So you all can turn to Ephesians. Um, I'm going to read chapter 1, verse 3 through chapter 2. But before I read that, I have a little story here. Um, I guess the title of the meditation this morning is God's Sacrificial Love. story I found, um, I read over it and I was really blessed by it. It brings out sort of maybe a, how would you say, allegory or whatever of God's love to us. Um, so I'll read this story here. It's, t- it's titled, Bridging the Gap. There was once a bridge which spanned a large river. During most of the day, the bridge sat with its length running up and down the river, paralleled with the banks, allowing ships to pass through freely on both sides of the bridge. But at certain times each day, a train would come along, and the bridge would be turned sideways across the river, allowing a train to cross it. A switchman sat in a small shack on one side of the river where he operated the controls to turn the bridge and lock it into place as the train crossed. One evening, as the switchman was waiting for the last train of the day to come, he looked off into the distance through the dimming twilight and caught sight of the train lights. He stepped to the control and waited until the train was within a prescribed distance when he was to turn the bridge. He turned the bridge into position, but to his horror, he found the locking control did not work. If the bridge was not securely in position, it would wobble back and forth at the ends when the train came onto it, causing the train to jump the track and go crashing into the river. This would be a passenger train with many people aboard. 
He left the bridge, turned across the river, and hurried across the bridge to the other side of the river, where there was a lever switch he could hold to operate the lock manually. He would have to hold the lever back firmly as the train crossed. He could hear the rumble of the train now, and he took hold of the lever and leaned backward to apply his weight to it, locking the bridge. He kept applying the pressure to keep the mechanism locked. Many lives depended on this man's strength. Then, coming across the bridge from the direction of his control shack, he heard a sound that made his blood run cold. Daddy, where are you? His four-year-old son His four-year-old son was crossing the bridge to look for him. His first impulse was to cry out to the child, run, run. But the train was too close. The tiny legs would never make it across the bridge in time. The man almost left his lever to run and snatch up his son and carry him to safety. But he realized that he could not get back to the lever. Either the people on the train or his little son must die. He took a moment took a moment to make his decision. The train sped safely and swiftly on its way, and no one aboard was even aware of the tiny broken body thrown mercilessly into the river by the onrushing train. Nor were they aware of the pitiful figure of the sobbing man, still clinging tightly to the locking lever, long after the train had passed. They did not see him walking home more slowly than he had ever walked to tell his wife how their son had tragically died. Now, if you comprehend the emotions that went through this man's heart, you can begin to understand the feelings of our Father in Heaven when he sacrificed his Son to bridge the gap between us and eternal life. Can there be any wonder that he caused the earth to tremble and the skies to darken when his Son died? How does he feel when we speed along through life without giving a thought to what was done for us through Jesus Christ? So that story just, I don't know, I really like the way it kind of brought out how just what... I guess what God went through. Um, sometimes it's not really something I think about a lot, I guess, how God felt when he sacrificed his son for us. Um, so I'm going to read here in Ephesians now, um, chapter 1, verse 3, and we'll read through verse 2. And then I'll make a few comments on it so we can pull out of it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, and a revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, 
and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh, of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, and whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So I read over this passage a couple weeks ago, and I was just really blessed um, by, well, different verses in here. Um, I noticed it, it kind of brings out what, um, what God's love has done for us, who we are in God because of his love. So I just got a little list here. Um, kind of a contrast of what we were before we asked God for forgiveness, before we were born again, and then um, how God views us after the blood of Jesus has been applied. So before we asked God for his forgiveness and cleansing, we were dead in sins, filthy, guilty, unlovable, despicable. As it says in verse 3, we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. It says there in verse 1, And you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were in a place without hope. We had no hope. We were helpless. And it wasn't like, you know, I mean, God was required to help us out. Um, we had turned our backs on him. Um, he had no obligation to help us. 
but God, in verse 4, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. God's sacrificial love changed everything. Love that was so deep he was willing to give his only son, Jesus, a sacrifice for us, that through him we are now, and then I'll go down, um, kind of have a list here I pulled out from different verses, we are blessed, chapter 1, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We are chosen, verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Which is also the next one I have, holy and without blame, there in verse 4. Then in verse 5, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, we are adopted, then um, accepted, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 13, uh, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You've been sealed with the Spirit. And then uh, chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. We are loved. His great love, God's infinite love, is a groundwork of our salvation. In reference to this, that love assumes a form of mercy. And that mercy provides the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. So what I have here is quickened. Even when we were dead in sins, dead in our souls, dead towards God, dead in the law, and exposed to death eternal, hath quickened us together with Christ. God hath given us as complete a resurrection from the death of sin to a life of righteousness as the body of Christ has had from the grave. And then verse 5, also we're saved, it says there. Raised up together with him, verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then verse 13. Made nigh unto him, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And then lastly in verse 19. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We are no more estranged from God, but we are fellow citizens with him, with uh, the brotherhood, with Jesus. We have been given an incredibly great salvation, and yet how often do I reflect on this great love and let it change me, change my life and my entire being? Do I just speed along through life like the people on that train, without fully realizing the greatness of my salvation and what we were saved from and yeah, just all that, um, the greatness of that. You know, maybe we have our quiet time in the morning, we go to church, we say we're born again. But what, what is the reality, um, what is the reality of this great love producing in us? What fruit is it bearing? I believe it will produce change in us. It will affect every aspect of our lives. Um, what will this sacrificial love look like demonstrated in our lives? What difference will it make? I have just a few um, effects here. I'm sure there's many more. I just pull out a few of them. First one is in First uh, John three. First John three one. Uh, we will be different from the world. Behold, what manner the 
what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And when Jesus came to this earth, he wasn't, um, he was the son of God, and he had all power, he should have been um, respected. But he wasn't respected, he was despised, he was mocked, he was looked down upon, um, because he was different, because he shone the light, and the people didn't like that. Um, I believe if we have that same, the same love in us, the world will treat us the same way. Are we, are we willing and ready to be identified with his um, identity, with his sufferings? Then in First Peter. Chapter 1, verse 13 through 16. We will no longer have the same affections or the same uh, passions. We will want to be, we want to possess, I forget where it says that somewhere, it says about possessing our vessels, our, um, I can't pull it up right now. Um, basically, possessing our vessels in honor, being holy. Let's read here in First Peter. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And then on down the chapter there, um, we will pass the time of our sojourning here in fear. Verse 17, And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It wasn't just, as it says here, um, we weren't redeemed with corruptible things as gold and silver, but we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. And I believe that if the reality of that sinks into us, we will be... um, as it says, we will pass the time of our sojourning here in fear. We will want to be holy, want to make ourselves holy and um, in every aspect of our lives. Um, and then, down verse 22, we will have an intense love for our brothers, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And I also believe it will produce the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. This love will produce a different manner of conduct in us. Um, I believe the world will see what is done in us. They will notice a change. Then back in Ephesians, um, chapter 2, finish off here, 19 to 22. Um, I believe this love will also work itself out in church life. Um, It says here, read verses 19 to 22 again. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, 
and whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. The church is compared to a building founded on the doctrine of Christ, delivered by the prophets of the Old Testament and the apostles of the New. God dwells in all believers now. They become the temple of God through the working of the Holy Spirit. Let us then ask if our hopes are fixed on Christ, according to the doctrine of his word. Have we devoted ourselves as holy temples to God through him? Are we habitations of God by the Spirit? Are we spiritually minded, and do we bring forth the fruits of the Spirit? Let us take heed not to grieve the Holy Comforter. Let us desire his gracious presence and his influences upon our hearts. Let us seek to discharge the duties allotted to us to the glory of God, for he is worthy of our very lives. So it's just my meditations here. Um, I was blessed as I um, kind of studied it out and I looked into it deeper, um, something that I want from my life, um, just to, yeah, have these fruits in my lives. Um, I believe that it will, it will produce a change if you um, can apply it to our, if we can apply it to our lives, something that I feel I need in my own heart. So that's all I had. Um, may the Lord bless.